0: Welcome to episode one of Tag Soup. Clive and I are talking about co-working in Horsham. Clive. Hello, Simon. Hi.
1: Um, co-working, yes. Um, well, Horsham is a market town in Sussex, and I've started a co-working group there. So essentially, co-working is about working in a shared space with other independent freelancers, web designers, developers, anybody who works from a home office, really. I've been going now. The, I basically organise a day every two weeks and we meet upstairs above
0: an Italian restaurant. That's very good for food. Do you find yourself tempted to go down and, yes. and finish Co- a bit too much?
1: Yes, co-working is not so great if you're on a low-carb diet like what I should be on. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's very nice food, actually. Carmella's Restaurant in Horsham. So, yeah, we've been going now about two years in a couple of different venues. And so every two weeks, there's a co-working day uh, above, above the restaurant from 10 till 4 it's for anybody with a laptop. Bring your laptop. Work alongside other people. It's really good, actually. Great idea for meeting other local people. So, if your town doesn't have a co-working day or a co-working space, and you want to meet other people, go for it.
0: So, how does that work? I mean, can you actually get work done if you, you're sitting around with people? They will sit around silently, not talking to each other.
1: Um, it tends to be a mixture. There are periods of the day when everybody's head down, looking at their screens, and there are other periods of the day where um, everybody's having a chat. Today, for example, one of the guys who came along was helping somebody else out with an email problem that he had or with suggesting to him an email solution that might work for his particular business. And so it's great to see that kind of collaboration going on. Um, So that was part of it today. And it does vary a bit. Um, I probably wouldn't go there if I had to get my head down and do some hard coding because there is some interruptions. Um, So if you want to sit in the quiet and do, you know, Really concentrate on tough coding problems, then maybe co-working in the kind of space that we do is not so great. But, but there are other yeah. co-working offices around the area in Brighton, in Worthing, and they have kind of quiet areas, so you, they certainly are suitable for that kind of coding work.
0: The difference there is that you're only doing this—was it once every two years?
1: Yeah, it's every every fortnight. Oh, um, that's that's principally because I think that's what the town demands at the moment but I would like to extend it if I can but uh, it depends really on the next jump for this is to go into a permanent space try and rent an office in the town centre try and finance it try and manage it so that's obviously a fairly big commitment for me and for anybody else
0: Sounds interesting. Of course, if it's once every two weeks, then people can plan their times around. Mainly, hopefully, time, plan it around when they do need to, to bottle down and do some work and get some get some code done. And of course, they set then set that day aside to say, "Okay, I'm going to do some work over at the co-working, but I'm I'm going to expect interruptions and I want to talk to people." And getting out of the, out of your little um, home office, etc., or wherever you are, to go and actually um, talk to other people is probably a very good thing. Very probably, probably makes you more productive overall.
1: Yes, I mean, in terms of work, what I do is I, um, I think about what I'm going to do a couple of days beforehand or the day before, and so I plan my day at co-working around a couple of things that I think I can get done there, and so I definitely do schedule my work on that basis. Um, but co-working in general is great for meeting people, uh, collaborating, making friends, um, and it gets you out the home office, which is, like you say, is the main thing. Um, you know, I've been freelancer now for about 10 years, and most of that time, I've worked in a home office, um, so I don't mind doing that. But I am um, kind of exploring a few different ventures at the moment, so working outside the home office is one of those. And um, you know, I've met loads of local people through it. I think it sometimes gives you other ideas because you can bounce things off other people. So, all in all, I think it's a really good idea for any freelancer, really.
0: Brilliant, Clive. Have you got a website that, that people can go visit in the Horsham area? Well, the Horsham one is horshamdigital.co.uk.
1: And that that explains why I started it and gives you the next
0: date uh, for the next day. Brilliant. Thank you. An old friend, Dean Sabatino, and I had a quick catch-up about web work in large corporates. The stuff we do is not... We don't work in an agile way, but the other teams, our new web development team, um, do. They've started doing agile. Um, our own version of agile and I, to be honest i really i've never had an agile call so i, I know how it works but i don't know the, the, the peculiarities and, and of it although i've seen lots of people standing around in groups on the floor we used to be on um right. boards and I was like, oh, yeah, they're doing agile so, and i know they're they working parallels and i know yeah that's one of the things i think that at work they the business can't get their head around uh, they want dates when things will be delivered, and that's always been a big curse for anybody that's building stuff where you don't know what, what the boundary of the, the barriers are going to be to get to the end piece.
2: Um, well, yeah, it depends on how you structure it. I mean, yeah. we we essentially deliver a version of the software every month, so we we the customer does know that they're going to get a delivery, yeah. but it it we have to block out what exactly is in that delivery. They're not going to get everything they want from soup to nuts. It's like, we've done this bit of work for this month. We've got the next, you know, three sprints blocked out to do this amount of work. So in, in three months, you'll get, you know, that result or that that shipment to install. So it can be structured so that they do know that when they're getting something, but...
0: So that's never limited by a launch date?
2: Um, no, the the at least the project that I've been working on it's it's never like you build and build a build for months and then you have a launch date. It's we have an installed system running on site already, right. and each month we deliver basically an update okay. that includes new functionality and fixes bugs. And so and then you have a, re- a review each month with the customer yep. and say this is what we fixed and here are the new new pieces of functionality and. um we're going to work on these next five things for the next month. And then in a month from now we'll meet and we'll tell you what we accomplished and uh, we can give you a list of bugs that we fixed. So it's, it runs like that. And then, you know, of course the, the solution owner or person we call solution owner who, who managed the, the whole project is in constant meetings with the customer to find out what exactly they want.
0: And in other it's, words, where's the scopes moved to. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it does change, but I mean, the way we've been working allows us to kind of shift our focus, uh, to where the customer wants to go. So it makes it a little easier that way. Is
0: it's just one team, would you have multiple teams working on different sprints and occasionally merging we, stuff at together. one
2: point, at one point we had three different teams working on the same bit of software, but now it's now just a one team. So it's a little bit easier now. Um, but uh, there's a core – there's kind of a core group that works in Joplin, Missouri, and, but um, now I'm only uh, – I'm the only one in my office that actually works on that project. We've got other people who work remotely, but we're in constant contact with each other all day long. We use Campfire to to chat all day long. And then because we're Accenture, we have this huge enterprise. We use Link. I don't know if you use that at work. It's no. a Microsoft chat product.
0: Oh, we, I we've got an IBM one. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. So we do all our meetings that way, you know, uh, audio and and, and screen sharing and that kind of thing. So it works out just fine.
0: Something On a certain date. And we'll have tons and tons of people working on a site, getting it ready for launch. And I'll be sitting there going, but the URL structure of this site is appalling. (laughs) (laughs) Go and fix this. And I go, no, no, the client needs it live now. Will the URL structure make a difference? Well, yeah, because this is what will happen, blah, blah, blah. And the client will go, no, no, don't worry about that it looks great, let's get it live. And bang, it goes live. And then the next six months are going, why have we we relaunched this site? Have our um, visitor figures dropped through the floor?
2: Right, because your URL structure is crap. Yeah. <laughs> and we haven't
0: redirected anything, and it's it's fallen flat on its face. And it's um, yeah, it's difficult, because they're coming in demanding, why, why,
2: why? <laughs> right. But you didn't listen. <laughs> mm. So there was a bit of that. If anything, the the, the frustrating thing is something you did mention which is you know moving the scope around or or it's you know oh look at that bright shiny object over there let's focus on that for you know two months and then oh look at that over there i want that fixed over there kind of thing so that can be a little frustrating at times but and also from my perspective as you know as a ui guy or whatever i'm constantly seeing things that you know, need to be fixed, but I can't because they're not in the scope of the work for yeah. the particular month. So that's frustrating sometimes.
0: Yeah, we have pretty much same thing. Things aren't in scope and we're, we're going, well, hang on, <laughs> that's really bad. You need to go and fix that at some point. I go,
2: yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, you know, the commercial considerations always got to be there. So this has always been one of the bugbears with accessibility as well, Um, is that we've We've had to really push the accessibility agenda right into the beginning of the project. Same, to be honest, for same of the SEO, the URL stuff as well. Because in the past, it hasn't happened till week before launch, and then somebody comes and say, "Right, can you make sure the site's accessible and can you make sure it's good for SEO?" And we're like, well, why you got a week? <laughs> <laughs> you need to go back and the whole thing, and the whole thing through. Um, and that's been a, a big issue. And then we've got. Dictates in in the uh, in the company now where we 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 they basically will not let allow a site to launch unless it's been through an, an audit for accessibility, which has got a lot of people worried. So that's why we get in at the start now and um, and make sure that through the whole process that people are actually considering that, which which otherwise we're spending loads of money at the end trying to fix things and and uh, making the right botch of it. So that's good.
2: Um, right, it has to be a consideration
0: all along the line. But it, until they actually made this decision to make it mandatory that they did pass these um, uh, WK, uh, regulate, well regulations, guidelines, um, people just ignore it and say, well, actually, that's great. Um, but that's, you know, disabled people aren't my target audience. <laughs> mm. terrible. I did have somebody say that to me about six, seven years ago, but they actually do now listen to us. So I think that's the biggest thing that's happened in the last five, six years. The business now actually do take us seriously when we're sitting there telling them that they should do things in certain ways
2: and not oh well, they them. might get some bad press if they don't pay attention to, to it get now. Bad press.
0: that's not really a problem <laughs> 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 a bad press. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah uh, and uh, it's a lack of knowledge in the business and they, they even you know, uh, the knowledge isn't uh, I use a uh, internet explorer and I visit sites to buy my last tickets on my holiday it does not give somebody the right to to, to uh, tell you that uh, they didn't like that colour on the site because that's not what they used to. We still get that. We still get yeah. people saying that. Oh, we had one last week where someone was going, oh, the business doesn't like this colour, this heading. They, they, they want it in red. They want it in black. Well, no, so they want it in black. They want it in red. Show it to stand out. So hang on a sec. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a personal decision or they've got years of graphic design experience telling us otherwise? Right, right. Um, but we have a house style on that, so we just ignored them basically i had the chance to catch up with sarah evans freelancer and fellow croydon creative sarah hi
3: hello
0: um we're going to talk about in-house stuff today working in-house compared with working with freelancing uh you and i have both got some experience of both my experience in freelancing is really quite small i I freelanced for about a year and it wasn't web it was print because it wasn't web in those days, even ARPANET. Um, your uh, whereas I think you're the other way around. You Your experience with, with freelance is probably slightly bigger than yours.
3: Um... um, about even, I'd say. I've probably oh, okay. done I've probably done about equal amount of each. Um, in house agency and now freelancing.
0: Excellent. So I think what we're going to explore today is probably the uh, the comparisons between the two. I and mean, obviously, you in a really good position to understand that my years at uh, corporate really put me in a position where I think something which a lot of freelancers don't get to see possibly they have meetings with them with the corporates but they don't get to see what goes on behind those meetings before and after quite an interesting and fascinating area which I probably isn't talked about very much what do you think the biggest comparisons are the biggest similarities between possibly freelancing and agency type work and and working uh, in an in-house team
3: um in terms of in-house work the sort of main difference for me has always been partly in that corporate environment um obviously freelancing you have a lot more freedom agencies you're working on lots of different types of projects um whereas in-house you're working on one brand all the time and that can have its sort of advantages and disadvantages.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about it. Because um, where I work, we've got lots of brands. Well, not lots and lots. I mean, there's some people who work for some, you know, people like Prots and Gamble have enormous amounts of brands. And I know that they have teams that work on different bits. My company, they have brand, one big brand, but, but lots of they used to have lots of sub-brands underneath, but they sort of concatenated all that in the be exercise many years ago. Um, Try to simplify it for the for the public. But I suppose one of the arguments is that if you're working in an agency or freelance, you've got a lot of different sc- uh, different sort of scope of different things. You've got different um, different brands to work with. But I'd argue that actually, if you're doing that, you're doing the same thing and again and again. People come to you because you're good at doing something, and therefore that's what you do. So if you're good at producing WordPress sites for dentists. The next person that comes along is a WordPress or a dentist that wants a WordPress site, and then another, and another, and you're doing the same thing as a freelancer. Whereas if you work in a corporate, yes, you could be doing the same thing, You, could, but actually the scope of what I did was huge and far ranging.
3: I would say maybe it depends at what level you're at in that company. Um, my initial sort of in house experience I was when I first graduated, so I came in at a very sort of low level, um, and I was doing. A lot of the same type of work all the time. Um, my weeks would be very similar. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday all through to Friday, I'd have set tasks that I'd have to get through and then the next week would pretty much be the same as the last. assume maybe when you start going up that ladder and you start getting, maybe you're heading the team or you're you be talking more to sort of middle management or management you get more of a scope to do more but personally that wasn't my experience at all
0: yeah no, i can understand that so there were times of the year when we were doing um a lot of repetitive stuff so we just talked different stakeholders trying to get to produce content things where other times of the year uh, we were redesigning the site with with agencies and sometimes that was always good fun and exciting and then Other parts, we were actually helping bring in web standards. That was one of my big pushes over the years, actually doing that and actually mentoring people and doing missionary work, as I like to call it. Because obviously, in in, well, for me, in those days, there weren't many people that really understood the web. It's it's a lot more sophisticated now, there's a lot more people doing it. But 10, 15, 18 years ago, nobody really knew what it was uh, and didn't think it was going to go very far, to be honest. Um, from a design point of view, when we, we redesigned the site, when I looked after it about five times in 10 years, I think. Um, so once every two years, we kind of rolled over that. We got involved with it, but there were managers above me who would uh, take that relationship on, bring in an agency, and not allow us to get involved. Yeah, that was yeah, <laughs> a Huge amount of experience. But they really, every time it was like, no, 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 it's all right. We'll leave it to the experts. That used to really, really annoy yeah, me. That,
3: that was um, my experience as well, where I was at. Um, the, des- the in-house designers would deal with the, sort of the day-to-day kind of work um, and anything sort of larger, kind of Christmas campaigns and things like that. They got outsourced to agencies, which kind of left us very frustrated because we felt we knew the brand better than anyone else and we weren't really given the chance to... Kind of have a go or pitch any ideas. Um, partly that might have been just because of the amount of workload. You know, it wasn't feasible from a business point of view to give us that work to do as well as the, all the day-to-day stuff. But it, it it did create some frustration within the team.
0: How big was the team?
3: Um, when I started, it was a team of about four. Um, this mm. is solely just the design team, and we were part of marketing. Um, which was a lot bigger. Um, it was four, and then when I left, it was probably grew to about eight quite quickly.
0: Um, well, that's fantastic. I wish we had that. I mean, when I when I joined, I literally did everything apart from the final FTP of files up to the server. I did everything else. I literally from the content creation and some most of it, um, having talked to the business, um, the coding, the design, and I would then FTP it up to a server, which then. IT would then push it onto another server once I'd gone through a process with them. Um, having actual pure web designers uh, or designers on a particular site is, um, is a dream come true. That must have been fantastic.
3: Yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, we were quite a close-knit team, I think, because of that, mm. because we were sat within marketing and we were the designers. Um, so we had our own little group and our understanding of our role was very different to you know people who sat across from us so so that that was a kind of great sort of area of it. i think we were very kind of close
0: i think it was important for my my pre-web days when i was doing print uh, and stuff i sat within the marketing team and understanding how the marketing team worked and, and we also had a um we had product owners of the business in with us as well they were kind of part of the marketing team as well and those three disciplines the bit I was in was um print procurement and and creative design um working together was brilliant because uh we were able to come up with ideas working with also with the agencies
3: yeah and being being part of that team, you have the chance to really kind of take an ownership um and you know yeah. if, if you want to be, you can be really invested in it and and really kind of enjoy the company's successes because you you are part of that team it's it's quite different to just coming in for a month or so um working on it and then moving on to the next you know th- this is kind of your your life basically and, and you really kind of need to take an ownership of that and if if you don't if you don't enjoy that then that's when i think maybe an in-house sort of job could start sort of getting you down in terms of if you're comparing it to an agency or freelance life um if you're someone who gets maybe gets bored a little bit easier than, than someone else, then I wouldn't say sort of an in-house job was for you.
0: Training is a, is, a, is a really good thing because most companies do training really really well. Unfortunately for the web, any structured training is normally years behind where we're at. Uh, for those of us who are on the leading edge of stuff, and uh, understand what's going on. There are good training courses out there, always are, and companies are always keen to put people in training courses because they they've got something you know, a little bit significant they can wave at people and say look I passed this course etc um, which is a good thing it's good morale for the internal people because they are learning things uh, and that's quite different from the freelancer who has to pay for that themselves or you know spend some time doing that and and not earning money internal job opportunities are there which once again you're not going to really get in, a, in an agency or certainly not in freelance and that is the step up to management
3: i think and... it depends it depends largely on on the company really and the size of the company because um, mm-hmm. i've i've been at quite small agencies where i've got the sense you know there were unless i leapt to creative director there wasn't anywhere sort of to go after just being plain old designer um whereas maybe in-house jobs as, as the company grows you know you can, there's been opportunities to go from um, I started off as an assistant designer. From there, I could have just been a on, um, normal online designer through to senior ma- senior, de- senior designer. So mm-hmm. there's potentially um, more scope to go up the ladder, I think, in in-house. But again, it depends on the size.
0: Right, well, thank you very much, Sarah. That's been fantastic. You're welcome. That was Tag Soup, an informal podcast rooting around under the rocks of working within the digital web. Intro music by Dean Sabatino Clive Walker can be found at cvwdesign.co.uk and on Twitter at Clive Walker Dean Sabatino can be found at deansabatino.com and on Twitter at MrClean Sarah Evans can be found at sarahevansdesign.co.uk and on Twitter at Miss S Evans and I am Simon Cox and can be found at simoncox.com and on Twitter as at Simon Cox.